This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Khalik al Wujudi min al Adam, Wajahil al Nudi min al Fulam, Wamusbich al Sabri min al Alam, Wamulkit Taubati al Al Nadam, Fanashkuruhu al Al Masai, Bikama Nashkuruhu al Al Niam. ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم ذي الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجم الحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدًا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا ثم أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار يقول الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم الذين قال لهم الناس إن الناس قد جمعوا لكم فاخشوهم فزادهم إيمانا وقالوا حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل فانقلبوا بنعمة من الله وفضل لم يمسسهم سوء واتبعوا رضوان الله والله ذو فضل عظيم إنما ذلكم الشيطان يخوف أولياءه فلا تخافوهم وخافوني إن كنتم مؤمنين رب الشحر صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله واللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر أمين يا رب العالمين on this occasion of Friday, I feel like the Muslim community feels the need for a concession speech more than Hillary Clinton. But uh, what I wanted to share with you this week uh, are thoughts and some reminders and some reflection for myself. Uh, clearly what's happened in the elections is on everybody's minds. A lot of people are very concerned, very scared, very nervous about what's happening. And many of you know that the Canadian website for immigration crashed as soon as the election polls came out. Uh, and so a lot of people are thinking about moving out of the country or whether this is our home anymore. And of course, some of the most bigoted things that we ima- never imagined would be surfacing and becoming mainstream in this country are now becoming, you know, they're, they're surfacing. Just recently at the airport, somebody even cracked a joke, a, a friend of mine, they cracked a joke, hey, go back to your country. And that was in Los Angeles. Go back to your country. And he said, that's not funny. And I said, oh, I'm just kidding, you're one of the good ones. Now that kind of thing, which was a completely unacceptable kind of comment, has now become mainstream, right? So there's reason to be concerned. But what I wanted to do is take a step back and remind ourselves that Muslims, we have been in this situation before. This is not the first time we're facing this kind of a 
you know, perceived hostile situation, it's not the end of the world. As a matter of fact, in the Bush years, these kinds of concerns were also over, overshadowing the minds of the Muslims. And the second term of President Bush, probably similar khutbahs were being given. So I want to begin first and foremost with a reminder from the one place that gives us comfort and the one place that gives us protection. The Book of Allah isn't just a place that we find hope and guidance in, it's also our multahad. tajida min dunihi multahada. It's the place we find refuge and the place we find protection. So when you and I are feeling that we don't have protection, we go to the Book of Allah. Allah Azza says about a people, this was actually revealed after the Muslims had suffered terrible losses in Uhud. They were weak, they couldn't even stand up straight. And the Prophet said, after the enemy had left, and the Prophet himself was almost killed. So this is a pretty bad situation for the Muslims. They were almost killed. And the, the, the Kufar have talked trash as we were heading up the mountain. You know, if تُسْعِدُونَ وَلَا تَلْمُونَ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ You're climbing up the mountain, you wouldn't even turn back to look at anybody. وَالرَّسُولُ يَدْعُوكُمْ فِي أُخْرَاكُمْ And some of the Muslims were so scared, the Sahaba so scared, they're running up and the Prophet ﷺ is still on the battlefield calling them from behind. And then they came back and they rescued him and they got him up, up the mountain. And then, you know, back then the leaders of the enemies of, of Islam, they spoke in this talking trash kind of way to the Muslims from the bottom of the mountain. You know, praising their gods, because their gods have won this time. And the Rasul ﷺ responded to them, they left. But about halfway through when the Quraysh had left, a thought came to the enemy. Hey man, they're weak right now, and they're injured. We let them live. We should just go back and finish the job. We should just kill them all. Now is our opportunity. This is the first time we've got them down. They, they got us pretty bad at Badr, but now we've dealt them a pretty serious blow at Uhud. Let's go back and get them. So a thought was coming to them to turn around and finish what they started. And the intelligence report came to the Prophet ﷺ that they're coming back. And when that report came to the Prophet ﷺ, instead of saying, Oh my God, we're not ready to fight them, we need to run. The Prophet ﷺ said, Who's gonna get up with me? Let's go. Before they come here, we should go after them. We should go after them. And these Sahaba, they actually, many of them injured, can't even get up, got up and started walking towards the enemy. And they just, they just responded to the Messenger of Allah And others said, what are you doing? You're gonna get killed, you're not equipped. Even when we were equipped, we couldn't fight them. How are you gonna fight them now? And in response, Allah revealed a number of ayat, this is just a few of them. الَّذِينَ قَالَ لَهُمُ النَّاسِ إِنَّ When people said to them, People, others, the enemy has gathered against you. فَخْشَوْهُ You should be afraid of them. They were making sense. People have ganged up against you. They hate you. They want to kill you. I mean, this is far more extreme than what we're going through. This is just an election cycle, guys. This is the battle of Uqad. This is far more extreme. And they have more reason to be scared than we ever will be. May Allah protect this ummah, but these people have far more reason to be terrified. They're literally bleeding. And then what do they say? They say, حَسْبُنَ اللَّهُ وَنِعْمَ الْوَكِيلُ فَقَالُوا حَسْبُنَ اللَّهُ وَنِعْمَ الْوَكِيلُ They say, Allah is enough for us. He'll be enough to take care of our situation. He'll be enough. That is the response. When you hear that response now, when you, you know, the Muslim's nervous, man, what's gonna happen with us? I don't know. I'm afraid to even go to the grocery store. Maybe we should tell our daughters and our wives and our mothers to kind of take the hijab off or maybe, you know, not go to Walmart. I don't recommend Walmart anyway. But you know, go there, don't go there because somebody might say something or do something and just be vigilant. By the way, vigilance is important. But on a side note, our first response is supposed to be Allah wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is enough for us. He's enough to take care of our situation. This situation happened now in 2016. 
Who's kept this situation from happening for the last 50 years? Who's kept the Muslims? Who's kept you safe in your home and me safe in my home for all this time? Who's provided for us for all this time? You think that that protection just got lifted? Because an election happened? That, 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 that security is not there anymore? Politics will come and go. Rulers will come and go. Parties will come and go. But the protection of Allah for the believer is always there. It's always there. It doesn't go away. And you cannot let that go. And the moment you let, you forget about Allah. The moment you think this is a bigger situation for us to handle, and you forget that you have the rope of Allah in your hands, then don't become like the people, you know, Allah says, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ نَصُوا اللَّهِ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنْفُسَاهُمْ It's so beautiful. Allah said, don't be like people who forgot Allah. And Allah made them forget themselves. You know, the, the reciprocal statement should have been, don't be like the people who forget Allah, and Allah forgot about them. He didn't say that. He didn't say that, because He doesn't forget about you. Even when you forget about Him. Even when you forget about Him. Even when you and I don't pray, even when you and I sin, even when you and I disregard His commands, He still protects you. He still takes care of you. He doesn't forget you. You forget Him, He doesn't forget you. He says, when you forget Allah, what happens then? What's the reaction to that? فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنْفُسَهُمْ He makes them forget who they are, themselves. The Muslims start fearing other than Allah, and then they start losing their Islam. Hijabs start coming up. This is not the first time I've had this conversation. The week after 9-11, I remember giving the khutbah. Because the conversation was, we should leave this country. We should not be here anymore. They're gonna kill all of us. They'll put us in concentration camps. Remember special registration? I went for special registration. I stood it 15-16 hours, and was spoken to like not a, not a human being. I remember those experiences. Allah was still there. Allah still protected us. And there were people then who got scared and took a step back from their Islam. And the only protection they had was Allah and they lost that protection. They walked away from the protection of Allah. Don't become like those people and don't let that happen to your families. We do not have fear of people. We have fear of Allah. There's a reason we call it the fear of Allah. Because once you have that fear, nothing else scares you. Nothing else terrifies you. That's just not going to happen. Even when we stand at our death, when the angel comes to the believer and he's dying, everybody else around the believer is crying. They're afraid that this loved one is leaving this world. The angels come and say, We will be been your protective friends in this life and in the next life. Allah sends security guards for you from the skies. For each and every one of you. He sends security guards for you. That's what he says. Every time you get in the car, there's security around you from Allah. You know? So don't, don't panic over what's happened. This is not the end of the world. And now let's take a step back. I'd like to not only give you a reminder from the book of Allah, and, and, and incidentally, in that story when the Muslims got up and said, fine, we will preempt, we will go on the offensive instead of being on the defensive. What happened? Quraysh heard that the Muslims, even though they're injured, got up. So they said, I don't think we can handle this. They ran away. They ran off. They came back with the favor of Allah and a great additional favor, the blessings of Allah and a great additional favor. No harm touched them. When does no harm touch you? According to the formula in Surah Ali Imran. There's a formula here. No harm touches you when you grow a spine and learn to stand up for yourself. When you stop being scared. Don't be afraid of them, be afraid of me if you're in fact believers. This is one third of my message to you. Who scares us? It's not actually people. 
Allah describes it in these ayat Himself. It is no one other than shaitan in fact. He's the one putting fear of his friends into you. Shaitan is using his friends to scare you. The other ta'wil of this ayah, another maf'ul it could be taken as, what it would mean in simple English is, the only people who get scared are friends of shaitan. So don't be a friend of shaitan and don't get scared. Don't be afraid. We have to become strong. The second thing I want to mention to you is about a simple comment about the nature of politics and its relationship with you and I as Muslims, as each individual Muslim citizen. I'd like you to understand something. Let's go into the Muslim world first. If somebody lives in Pakistan, or Malaysia, or Bangladesh, or Turkey, or somewhere else, and they have elections going on, and they have their politics, and they have their disagreements, and there are Muslims on both sides of the election. This, this candidate is Muslim, that candidate is Muslim. This party is Muslim, so that party is Muslim. And every Muslim in that country has a political opinion. Every one of them. But they don't all have the same opinion. They don't share the same opinion. They pray at the same time. Some of them are equally religious. They're devout to Allah. They recite the book of Allah. They pray five times a day. They pay their zakat. You know, they fulfill all of their rituals. But politically, they're completely different from each other. One has this opinion, one has that opinion. One agrees with this economic policy. The other agrees with a completely different economic policy. Why, why am I mentioning this to you? We have assumed that it's more Islamic to vote for one candidate than the other candidate. Or it's more Islamic to be a member of one party than the other party. Look, the Muslims are stuck. We are people, the only thing permanent for us is our principles. And when it comes to some of our principles, they're very conservative. They are. We have very conservative family values. We have very conservative religious values, social values. That's a fact of life. That is what Muslims are. When you think of conservative in America, I don't have to tell you which party you think of. On the other hand, there are certain values like civil liberties, rights, you know, protection of minorities and things like that. These are also very important to us. And that's not really associated with a certain party. <laughs> it's associated with another one. And we're caught in between. Do you have to be loyal to your principles and give up on your civil liberties and you know, take on this hateful rhetoric, or do you hold on to these, this civil liberties rhetoric, rhetoric and what rights for all, and then also agree with some of the principles that that party endorses, that we have nothing to do with and we will never have anything to do with. We're caught in between. Why am I mentioning this to you? Because politics and Islam are two separate things. These are two different things. Don't confuse them with each other. A lot of people that voted in this election, and they voted for the winning president, they didn't vote because they hate Muslims. They have nothing. Some, a lot of these people have nothing to do with Muslims. They've never seen a Muslim. They couldn't care less. They're just angry. They don't have jobs. They're, their towns have been, you know, there's been a mass migration out of their towns and they're just mad that, a, that a, a democratic government for eight years changed nothing about their economic situation. So you know what? Yeah, the guy said pretty racist things. He said some pretty hateful things. He spoke ill of the Hispanic community. He's made derogatory comments about women. So what? At least they're all corrupt anyway. So who cares about that? And maybe he'll bring some change. So for us to think it's all about they hate Muslims, this is wrong. Just like our political opinions are complicated, the people who voted in this election, the rest of our country, their political opinions are also complicated. They're not, they cannot be oversimplified as everybody hates Muslims. That would be a mistake on our part. As a matter of fact, now what I want to share with you is, what... How are we supposed to then think about the nation that we live in? There's going to be a loud, but a very small minority of bigoted people, hateful people, 
that, are, that have now become very happy over this election. It's, they feel like they're the ones that have won. And they're going to be very, very loud. They're going to put offensive bumper stickers on their cars. They're going to make comments at you when you go to the grocery store, or when you're at the airport, or even at the office. They're going to be there. Some of their internal spite will come out, but that is not the conscience of this nation. There are good people here. You have good neighbors. You have good teachers in your schools. You have good police officers too. There are good people in this country, and we will not, just like they, you know, stereotype all Muslims, we're not going to do that. You will not be guilty of the same crime that you're a victim of. That you cannot allow yourself to do. So don't confuse religion and politics with each other in this way. The only thing constant in our being is principles. And on that note, I want to leave you in this khutbah with practical advice. What are we supposed to do? We, Muslims, are supposed to recognize something about the nature of politics in, in our country. This is our country. When you vote, for instance, or when you get involved in politics, or you endorse a candidate or not endorse a candidate, what's, on what principle are we supposed to do so? We have an amana wherever the Muslim lives. If you were the only Muslim living in a village, you were the only Muslim living in an island, and you were asked about picking a candidate in that island, or making a decision in that island, you wouldn't think, what's best for the ummah when I pick this candidate? You know how we think? We're gonna vote because this guy's gonna be good for the Muslims. We're gonna vote for that one because that's gonna be better for the Muslims. Or this, or we don't even say better anymore, we say this one's gonna kill the least. Right, that's how we think now. This one's gonna do the least damage to the Muslims, so we'll vote for this one. This is, in my humble opinion, you are free to disagree, this is the incorrect way of thinking for any citizen. Voting or participating in any land, because you're passing your opinion, is an aman. Whatever land you live in, whatever society you live in, you and I are responsible to think what is best for the people of this land, including myself. We are citizens. We play the role not of Muslims, but of citizens in this land that happen to be Muslims, that live by their faith. And we have to fulfill our duty. Just like at the office, if somebody asks you who should be the manager, you don't say who's, which manager is going to be best for the Muslims in the company. No, who's the most qualified? Who's going to be best for the company? Who's going to be best for the job? Who's got the best experience? You will make these decisions based on justice and principles. Not based on your bias as Muslims. Your, our loyalty to Islam should not taint our, our loyalty to justice. Justice itself. Because a candidate being chosen is supposed to be one that is good for all people. All of them, not just for ourselves. We are not another lobby group. We are not. Just because the Hispanics have a certain lobby, and there's a Hispanic, Hispanic voting block, and there's a, you know, there's a Jewish voting block, you know, and there's an Irish voting block, or there's a white voting block, there's a conservative voting block. People think there's a Muslim voting block. There isn't. There are Muslim principles. It may be that in some county, somebody recognizes that the Republican candidate is better for the community. It may happen. And they have to vote their conscience. Not, you know, considering global politics, because they are going to go in a certain direction no matter what you do. <laughs> no matter what you and I do. So my practical advice to you, that we need to now grow a spine. Many of you have jobs, you have school, you have responsibilities at home, you come to the masjid, you have a religious life, you have a spiritual life, you have, a, you, know, you have responsibilities of these kind, but now we cannot afford except to be at town hall meetings in our local communities. We need to be involved and we need to show our face locally and we, you know, our kids are being bullied at schools. Muslim kids are being daily, daily they are being bullied at public schools. Who's going to town hall meetings and making this, uh, an issue about that about our schools? 
Who's raising hell saying these teachers who make these kinds of comments in our, our school classrooms that we pay taxes for are now discriminating against our own children off of our money. This is not acceptable. That is not something you take to the President of the United States. You take it to your local town. And when we show ourselves up, men, women, beards, hijabs, kufis, you name it, lay your toe, I don't care. Go there. Show yourself. Then let them speak bigoted when they see you in the face. When they see you walking alone in a mall somewhere, then they can make their comments. But when you and I show up 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 strong, every single week, in every town that we are, we may be a minority, but we can become a very powerful minority. We can, we can become a very powerful minority. And I would argue this is a civic responsibility we have to speak to the issues not just that pertain to Muslims, but what's better for our community? What roads need to be fixed? What schools need to be improved? What liquor stores need to be shut down that are increasing crime in the neighborhood? How are we dealing with the offenders in our neighborhood? What's happening with the arrest rates? Where's the crime rate? Who's going to hold government accountable? You know, we think when we go, some, many of you voted, when you went to vote for the president, and there was a ballot, there's, we know those two top candidates, you don't know anybody else. You're like, I'll just check mark this line. Uh, this guy, this name I don't know, and this name I know. We don't know who people are involved in actually, you know, uh, th that are actually concerned with our local politics. And that's the one that affects your day-to-day -day life. That's the people that are, that are living here in Irving, or in Ulysses or some small town in Wisconsin, or in Chicago, some suburbs of Chicago. Get involved locally. You don't have to become a politician, but you have to become now an active citizen. And we have to teach our children to become active citizens. Because until we show up and grow a spine, we will remain invisible no matter how many show up for Jamal. It won't matter how many are here. We have to be there. And we have to show up. You have to find this out. Educate yourselves. And become part of that society. Take some time out of your busy day. And your busy lives. Because this is how we're going to build a future. We can build our homes here. We can buy cars here. We can get jobs here. But discrimination will get worse and worse and worse if we're not involved in the mainstream society. If we just keep bubbling ourselves off, we can no longer afford to do so. My final message to you, inshallah, as I close, is about Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam was supposed to stand up to Fir'aun. We don't have to. Fir'aun's much worse. I mean, maybe not that much worse, but still, much worse. And Musa alayhi salam is to go alone. And he asked Allah for support. And what support did he ask for? He asked for his brother. And what did he say about his brother? Ushdud bihi azri wa ashrikhu fi amri. Strengthen my back by means of him. You know what it means to strengthen your back? You're being pushed. You're being hit. You're falling back. And somebody's behind you to keep you from falling. That means strengthen my back. You understand? Which means Musa knows he's going to be on the defensive. And he needs someone to hold off the defense better because he alone will not be able to withstand the push. So he needs somebody that can push his back. And later on in Surah Al-Qasas, what did Allah say to him? سَنَشُدُّ عَضُدَكَ بِأَخِيكَ I will strengthen your muscle, your, or your forearm with your brother. When do you use your forearm? When you're pushing back or when you're going forward? When you're going forward. Meaning Allah Azza said, I will not just give you defense, I will give you offense. I'll give you, give you strength to speak up for, you know, and move forward. And what was the great strength of Harun alayhi salam that Musa alayhi salam recognized? What was the weapon Musa alayhi salam was going to bring? What spear, what sword, what was he going to bring? It's on the tongue of Musa himself. He's better spoken than I am. He speaks well. This is the age of speaking well.
This is the age when our voice needs to be heard. And that is the best offense. We, if we remain silent, we're giving up the weapon Allah has given us. We're just giving up that weapon. We, we now, this is the time to be proud as Muslims. To be, to be confident as believers. I know I said that's the last thing. I'll take 15 more seconds, I promise. I want to share with you that Rasulullah had one of the toughest lives ever lived. Those 23 years of his mission are some of the toughest in human history. There are problems in every single year. There's not a year where there's no problems. It's issue after, and they're big issues too. They're life-threatening issues. They're issues that can end the career of Islam itself. Every single year. And what do you see the Sahaba saying? We never saw him except he was smiling. You know that, right? Rasulullah when Sahaba came to him, all the time, they would see that he has a smile on his face. That is the consistent sunnah of Rasulullah You tell me, when you are buried under problems, you're buried under issues, and no one has more, you, know, you and I are not under pressure. Rasulullah We're gonna put a heavy word on top of you. When somebody's under a lot of pressure, the last thing you see them do is what? Smile. And Rasulullah leaves us a sunnah of being buried under pressure with all kinds of you know, enemy forces at us, and yet there's a smile on our face. Follow the sunnah of Rasulullah Be a people of Alhamdulillah, be optimistic. Allah will see us through this, this is nothing. This is not an issue. It will only become a big deal for you and your family if you let it. And you the heads of households, the men that are sitting here, you're not supposed to instill fear, fear into your children and your spouses over what's happened. You're supposed to instill hope and confidence and strength. This is only a test from Allah and we will come out stronger as a result. May Allah Azza protect this ummah and give us the ability to lead our communities the way that we were charged to lead. May Allah Azza make us committed to our timeless principles and not sway when situations go one way or the other. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum min ayat wa dhikr al-Hakim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazhin as-tafa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatam al-nabiyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Yaqulu Allah Azza wa Jal fi kitabihi kareem Ba'da an aqula a'udhu billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala al-nabi Ya ayyuhal lazhin amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammad Kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim fil alameen Innaka hamidun majid اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله اقرأ
كتاب الله ترقى جنانه وتنى العظيم الأجر والغفران